Well, God bless you. Welcome to Church on the Hill. That is my beautiful wife, Miss Elizabeth, and I'm Pastor Paul. We're so glad you're here. God is so good. And we had a little, little snap of cold weather again. I thought spring was here. We went out on the baseball field yesterday and got rained on, and it just got cold. Um, I actually feel like the heat's on in here. It's hot. Justin, if you don't mind, just take a look at that. You're working on it? Okay, you already did. Amen. Amen. Well, we are gonna, we're going to look at James chapter 2. And if y'all don't mind, get your Bibles out if you brought them. James chapter 2. We've been in James chapter 1 for some time now. We're just going to dive right into James chapter 2, verse 1. Let's just start right there. I'm going to put it on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you. Carry your Bibles with you. Verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Now, I don't want to, I want to get right into what I'm preaching on, but don't miss the word. Can you see that how can you have faith in God if you are favoring people? God is comparing your faith with your attitudes and relationships. Is that important? Absolutely is. Let's keep going. Verse 2. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention as a good seat to the, and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or, or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your, your judgments are guided by evil motives? Verse 5. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Verse 6. But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Verse 7. Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, the noble name you bear? Verse 8. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Verse 10. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. It's a big scripture right there. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not work murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Amen. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word has been sent forth. Lord, I ask right now that you would prepare our hearts, Lord, that our hearts would be good ground. Lord, that we would not be the stony ground, that we would not be the wayside, that we would not be the thorny ground, but that we would be good soil. And God, I thank you that you take us right where we are, that Lord, you're ready to move us right where we are, that even though we may have messed everything up, up right up until now, God, you are a merciful God. And Lord, when we turn our hearts to you, Lord, you hear. Just thank you, Lord, for hearts turning and for good soil and for the seed going in this morning. Holy Spirit, teach us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If you notice the very first scripture, my dear brothers, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? 
how solid your faith, how solid your religion, how solid your walk with God will show up in your relationships. Do you see how important our relationships are? When you make a superficial distinction between people preferring prestige and position, it is incompatible with the faith of Jesus Christ, which excludes favoritism over wealth or class. Did you know that God did not show favoritism when you were a sinner? When you were not worthy? When you were lost? When you were broken? When you were beaten down? When you were hurt? When you were making mistakes? When you were messing everything up? God did not show favoritism. He showed mercy. He showed love. He showed compassion. He showed it even knowing what kind of person you were. Knowing who you are. That's when he chose you. He didn't choose you when you had it all together. He chose you when you didn't. It says that when we were but sinners. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8. He says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God did not wait and say, you know what, that person seems to be doing a pretty good job. I think I'll send my son for him. He seems to be somebody who's going to get it. I think I'll, I think I'll do that for him. Look, look at how good he's doing. Nope. It says, while we were sinners, while we were failing, while we were losing miserably, God sent his son for us. Scripture tells us that he did not prefer the people that had it all together. His word said he didn't, ha- he didn't come for those. He came for those who needed him. The broken, the poor, the needy, the hurt, the beaten down, the weak. Me. Us. He came for us. But you know, people have been showing partiality from day one. And you know, I think it comes natural to us. I think it is a fleshly thing that we have to battle. But it is not God's character. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now does that tear the barrier down or what? I believe that addresses every area that we could have. Slave or free? Rich or poor, Jew or Greek, whatever nationality, whatever skin color, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Early on we see from scripture uh, racial partiality between Jews and Gentiles. But we also see partiality being shown between the rich and the poor. How can we in church, how can we in our walk, how can we uh, in our jobs, how can we in everyday life show partiality? Maybe giving preferential treatment to visitors or strangers based on their apparel, apparel, based on the way they look, maybe based on the way they smell. Showing hospitality toward our rich friends while ignoring those who are poor. Have you ever thought of this? Only, only showing interest in those at work that can help us and showing no interest in those that can't. 
you know, is there an advantage to this relationship and you pour your heart into that because of what you can get? While someone over here that may need help, that may need someone, gets completely ignored. Do you know that it's the need sometimes that defines poor? The problem is a lot of times we define poor as financial. But people that are poor are people that are in need. I can't even tell you rich people are in need. But you know what? This rich and poor... You know, it can go the other way too. So many times we can show bias as a poor person being biased of the rich. Have you ever heard people just talk about the rich negatively? It's the same thing. Showing partiality between people of different races. I think that we have come miles. I think we have come large strides. But let me tell you, it's still there. We are in denial to believe that there is not racial tendencies still going on. There are. And finally, even by showing partiality between friends and visitors in our service. It's uncomfortable to meet a stranger. It's uncomfortable to show genuine acceptance to a stranger. That does not come natural. That's part of us trying to be conformed into God's image. It's sad that today this sin of partiality, being biased, being prejudiced, being racist, is probably just as prevalent today, if not more, than it was in the days that we read in Scripture, that when James wrote his epistle. But did you realize that showing partiality is actually a sin? Did you catch that? But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. And it goes on to say that if you just break one, you've broken the whole law. How important it is that we start to identify what is sin and that we start to battle that. Why is it such a big deal? Why does our partiality have what does our partiality have to do with our walk with Christ? You know what one big reason is, and I think it's probably the ultimate reason? It's our witness. Are you saved? If you would say yes, and I'd say the majority of those here today would at least say they were saved. Do you know if you've not confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and believed in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you're not, if you haven't done that, if, if that's not you, you're not saved doesn't matter if you've walked an aisle and prayed a prayer. Do you believe in your heart and have you received Jesus Christ? And are you a follower of Christ? A Christian is a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ learns about Christ, follows him, learns about him, does what he does. That's a Christian. Doesn't mean you get it all right. I saw a child walking in. We were shopping yesterday in Nashville and it was Abercrombie Kids or something like that. And this child was following their mama and the child fell walking up these three stairs. And the mama turned around, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't help you and pick the child up. The child's probably five, six, seven years old, shouldn't have fallen. I mean, they made a mistake. But that was a follower of that mama. She was just following, looking. And then there's mama picking that child up. I was just sitting in a chair. I, I hate shopping. And I'm just sitting there. And she's in there with all the loud music. You know, it's just obnoxious. I just can't hardly take it. This loud music stuff I don't want to hear. So I just find a chair and just sit down and, and I'm just observing. I'm just watching. 
people. It's funny. It's funny to watch people. We're funny people. But I saw that child fall. That, that child made a mistake, but the mama just picked him up and said, come on. You know, we fall down, and as long as we're falling down following Christ, you know what he says? You're okay. Come on. You didn't do anything wrong. You just slipped. You're okay. Get up. You got a little bruise. It'll heal. Keep coming. But a follower of Christ is someone who is after Christ, learning about Christ, desiring to change, desiring to learn. It's amazing. I've got four kids, and man, they're in, they're in the learning mode. And you can just see them drinking in knowledge and light bulbs going off. We've, uh, my youngest daughter is eight, and she is growing butterflies. Sent in the little pack, got the little thing full of the worms that you couldn't even see, and here they go. They're, they're growing. They become a caterpillar. I guess they were a caterpillar, but they look like a worm. They became a caterpillar. Then they formed a cocoon, and now they're hanging. And we came in last night after awakening and, and after being in Nashville, and one of them had come out. And you could just see her, her brain just exploding and now we got to feed them it's amazing you put the orange out and open it up and what do they do they start flapping and go eat it's amazing that that is to be our description or the way we should look with Christ what what did you say to do in my life when my marriage is falling apart oh I see it I hear it okay I'll do that That's a follower of Christ. I'm not being the man I'm supposed to be with my wife. What am I supposed to be? Okay, Christ, what am I supposed to be? Oh, that. Okay, I'll do that. That's a a Christian. Not someone who says they're a Christian but lives a sinful life, doesn't care about the results, doesn't care about what's going on. That's not a Christian. A non-doer of the word, your religion is useless. It's good. Somebody's going to answer the call this morning. You know the phone's ringing? Who's going to answer it? Amen. Our witness as a Christian, we claim to be Christ's disciples, followers. What, what is our goal? Our goal should be to imitate him. It says in Luke chapter 6 verse 40, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. That's a disciple. We are a disciple of Christ. But a big factor is if you let someone know that you follow Christ, you are now an example of a Christ follower. If you go to work and say you're a Christian, say you go to church, say you serve the Lord, you have now been identified as a Christ follower. Right? What does that mean? It means you are now a reflection of Christ. A disciple of Christ. If we show partiality as Christians, we give the impression that Jesus himself is partial. Prejudiced, biased, racist. Therefore, if we're not careful, the glory of the Lord can be tainted by our partiality. How does your witness make people want to follow Jesus? How does your witness make people want to have what you have? Or would you say, people probably don't want what I've got? 
If you are a follower of Christ, you are a witness. You are a witness to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And you are to proclaim that. That's why we go to all nations and we be a witness of what Christ has done in our lives and what he has done because we know what he's done. That's what a witness takes the stand and tells the jury what happened. Mm, it's good. I want you just for a minute in your mind, give some qualities of your witness. If somebody at work, if you had to, if you had to go in tomorrow and say, okay, Tell me what kind of impression I make. What kind of impression I make, period. Don't, don't put the Christ factor in there yet. And then what kind of impression do I make for Christ? I think you could probably answer that without asking them. I think it would be painful. James 2.4 says that when we show partiality, you know what it says? It says we become judges with evil thoughts. Ooh. And God hates unjust judges. Jesus himself warned us a couple things here. Number one, the dangers of judging. This is bad. Judge not that you not be judged, for within that judgment you judge, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Have you ever noticed that God takes what we do and increases that in our life? you ever heard the scripture, you reap what you sow? Have you ever heard the scripture that if you give, it'll be given back to you? And with the same measure you give, it'll be measured back to you? You judge, not only are you going to be judged, but you're going to be judged in the way that you're judging. Who likes to be judged? Not me. James tells us that when we show partiality, we become judges. Matthew said that if I judge, I will be judged. No, sir. Not me. How do I remove myself from being judged? Quit judging. Quit judging. But Jesus also warned that if you do judge, you need to make righteous judgment. John 7, 24 says this, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge within righteous judgment. How can we get righteous judgment? It can only come by the Word. And you know what happens when you get in the Word? You find that scripture that says, Take care of the plank in your life before looking at the speck in your neighbor's eye. What will happen? You'll have, enough, you'll have enough busy work of your own to deal with your own stuff than worrying about what somebody else is doing. When you start dealing with your plank, let me tell you, your speck is not the important thing in my life anymore. And how, much, how many times in our life do we feel like that somebody else's speck is our responsibility to help them get, fix it? Or worse than that, just to talk about it. We're just going to talk about it. You know what happens? You become a judge with evil thoughts, and then you begin to battle the same thing. Anybody ever seen that? Whew, boy, thank you, Jesus. Not according to appearance, smell, color, color of skin, hair, but by righteousness, by the word. If we judge against the poor during our, 
due to our prejudice against them, we will find ourselves, catch this, fighting against God. For he stands beside the poor, ready to save them from those who condemn them. Who fights for the poor? God. When we come against the poor, we have just made an enemy of God. It's a good word. Another reason Christians must not show partiality. We despise those whom God has honored. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom? He promised to those who love him. It goes on to say, but it's the rich who's going to sue you. It's the rich who's going to get you. We're we're sitting here wanting to support and favor the rich, but they're the ones that are going to get you. Go after the poor. Go after those in need. God will make up for you. Not only that, you won't get judged. Not only that, you won't be sinning. Good. Both then and today, God chose to honor the poor. Both then and today, God honors all men. James 2, 6, but you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Isn't it the rich who's going to get you? But look how it says about all men. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. You know what's so good about that is? He highly favors you and you and you and you and me. You know what's incredible? I'm his favorite. Me. My kids ever ask me, am I your favorite? You know what my answer is? Yes. What about the other one? Them too. What about the other one? Them too. You know, just in raising kids, one of the most damaging things you can do is compare your kids. Don't do it. And I got four of them, and they are totally opposite of each other. How could four be opposite totally? They are. Four opposite directions that God created for a specific purpose, and he created them perfectly. The problem is we stereotype, we box in, we think it should be this way. Same way here. We stereotype, we box in, we look at the color of skin, we look at the financial situation, we look at what can be offered to me, and we choose that. No, sir. God did not do that. We're his favorite. You know that lost sinner that their life is falling apart? That's God's favorite. That's his favorite. He sold everything to buy a field that had him in it. We are right here at uh, um, Palm Sunday and Easter, Easter Sunday, and there are pearls sitting out in our, jo- in our jobs. There are pearls sitting out in our schools. There are pearls waited to be found. But you need to witness to them. You need to invite them to church. They're not going to come if you don't do it. Why don't, why don't we set a goal this week to not show favoritism, to not show partiality, and to witness Christ? Be a witness. Be a witness. Amen? Y'all stand up with me and let's pray.
it says in Scripture that God is no respecter of man. Would you this morning accept that grace that he is giving you? We have to accept it. As I pray, I just ask those that are ministering with me just to come on down. Father, I just ask right now for mercy and grace over whatever situations that we're going through. Maybe today you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I don't even know Jesus. I've gone to church my whole life. I have walked the walk. I've I've gone through the motions of church. But I don't believe I ever really turned my heart to God. I don't believe I'm, I'm really a follower of Christ. If that's you, I want you to know right now it says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you will believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Right where you sit, right now, confess. I'll just do it with you. Jesus, I confess that you are Lord of my life. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. And Lord God, I turn back to you today. And I promise to get into your word and to start to learn your ways. And I will follow in them. Make me a disciple. Father, make me a disciple of your son Jesus. Turn my life around. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I know Jesus, but I've not been walking and I want to walk that walk. Pray that prayer again, church. Are you hurting today? Do you need prayer for your health? Do you need prayer for your life? Do you need prayer for your marriage? I want to encourage you. We're going to see next week that faith without works is dead. Put your faith to work. Step out and come according to God's word and let let the elders of the church anoint you with oil, lay hands on you, and let's see the sick recover. Do you need prayer for relationships? Do you need prayer for anything in your life? Step out this morning and let us pray for you. God is waiting, just like the Father was waiting, looking every day for the Son to return. Would you return? Step out this morning as we sing. Amen. to do.
this, Lord. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you, Lord, that you have equipped us to face whatever it is that we face. Lord, let us turn to you. Let us follow you. Let us learn your ways and let us walk in those ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday, Wednesday night also, 630. God bless you.